0: Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Data Show. I am your host, assistant editor, Vincent Verhide. Joining me as always, Football uh, Outsiders editor-in-chief, Aaron Schatz. And contributing writer, Brian Knowles. We are here every week to discuss the uh, stats and news and uh, info going on the NFL this week. Gentlemen, how are we doing today?
1: Good. It's trade deadline day.
2: I'm excited. Woo! Bring on the trades. Always fun to be doing a live show while breaking news is actively breaking.
0: (laughs) News has broken. Broken news has uh, broken us a little bit. Uh, Before we get into that, I do want to mention real quick our good buddies at Underdog Fantasy. Because you, the listener, can play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Are your season-long fantasy teams floundering? Play Underdog's Battle Royale, a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft, with easier chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports sites. You can even win $50,000 if you grab first place. Or try their Pick'em Games, where you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around. Join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com. Or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERSNOW now to double your first deposit up to $100. So thank you, as always, to the fine folks at Underdog Fantasy. And uh, speaking of underdogs, the Detroit Lions. <sighs> I was really high on this team like six weeks ago. It has not gone well since then, and uh, they're making they made an interesting trade like 20 minutes before we went on the air here. TJ Hawkinson, their tight end, their leading receiver in uh by yardage by yardage anyway. They have traded him to the Minnesota Vikings. In division. In division
1: yeah. to the yeah. division leaders.
0: Um <laughs>
2: it's very, For very basically
1: to move up in two rounds. Yeah. yeah. Will, they will move two fourth round picks and turn them into a second and a third. They're not gaining any picks.
0: No. They're, they're, they're uh they're just, you know, moving I, I will let somebody else break out the trade point value chart, but they're getting a second and a third back. But the, they're going to be, you know, late round, mid mid to late round, second and third round picks for some very early fourth round picks. To the, the, the a 2023 fourth round pick that we know is going to be early, a 2024 fourth round pick, which it's the Lions that'll probably be early too. Um, so they're not getting a ton back. They're giving him up the leading receiver. He's young, he's talented, he's one of the. What you thought was one of the few building blocks around,
2: and he's gone now. Uh, to give it a little bit more context, maybe to try to explain this from the Lions' point of view, uh, Hawkinson's fifth year deal is coming up. He's he's going he's to be due for an extension very soon. So if you're the Lions and you think you're not going to be competitive for the next two years, this is probably a good time to get rid of him because if you're going to start from scratch again. But how can you start from scratch again if you're the Lions, right? I mean, this yeah. is, you, at some point, you have to stop rebuilding and start being a thing. And the Lions can't keep going, oh, well, we'll be good eventually. We'll be good eventually. Keep stockpiling things. I just, the more I look at this deal, the more I hate it for the Lions. Like, so, last week,
1: yeah, Last week I, I
2: was like, oh, d- don't worry. Dan Campbell is not on the hot seat. Everything will be fine. <laughs> and, and since then, they've fired the defensive backs coach and traded away their top tight end. So I might have to slightly adjust my priors on that one.
1: Yeah, I see. I'm a believer in it's good to have some good veteran receivers for a young quarterback. And like, let's be honest, Detroit is now going to be in line to draft a top quarterback in this next draft. And what is the young quarterback's best friend? It's the tight end, man. So even if they were only going to have Hawkinson for one more year, it might have been worth it just for the development of the young quarterback that they're going to take in next year's draft because of the fact that this isn't actually giving them any more picks, it's just moving them up in two rounds. Like for the Vikings, I love it because I mean, we can talk all day about the Vikings being the you know, they're the third worst six and one team ever by DVOA, but they're in the mix. Right. And I mean, other than the Eagles, nobody is really standing out in the NFC. So go out and fill a hole. Irv Smith got injured. He wasn't playing yeah. very well anyway. He was last among all tight ends in DYAR. So um, fill a hole, get a player. It sounds like a, it's a great deal for the Vikings. But for the Lions, I mean, I, I, I understand the need to rebuild. And if they're not going to re-sign Hawkinson, then they might as well get something for him. But um, I just don't think they're getting that much. And that he had use he had staying on the team.
0: Yeah, um, the only way I'm trying to figure out if this makes any sense for Detroit is if they have already identified a quarterback for next year that they, they want to be number one. I want to make sure they get that guy. But they're already right now in the number two draft slot, only a half game ahead of Houston. So they could probably get their guy anyway. I don't get this. I, 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 I'm baffled. i baffled. Uh, I don't understand this one bit. And for Minnesota, like you say, it makes total sense. They already have a strong lead in the division uh if philadelphia slips up somewhere the viking is going to be a team that gets that by probably so hey yeah this is what we want teams to do is we want teams to follow the Rams model and be aggressive and strike all the irons hot and every other cliche you can think of but i'm 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 kind of gobsmacked <laughs> to be
2: honest with you yeah. and i I've, i I've, I've seen some immediate reaction from lions twitter that oh well, hawkinson was a bust for his draft position anyway well it wasn't Hawkinson's fault that the Lions used a top 10 pick on a tight end. You know, that, 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 that's, never, that's never a great plan. Hawkinson you don't, a, you, you mean, don't trade guys based yeah. on how well they did compared to their draft position.
1: Once you've exactly. drafted them, their draft yeah. position is, you know, it helps tell you something about their potential. But by the time you get to year four, draft position is sort of meaningless. He is what he is. It doesn't matter that he was a bust for his draft position.
0: Well, uh, with that little bit out of side. By the way, if you're uh, listening live, you can join us here on Restream. Uh, sh- share your questions and comments. We'll try to get to some of those. If uh, any of you like or love this move, let us know. We'll try to get some other opinions on there. But moving on, well, here's one right away. Ol' Heady 403, Vikings are my Dark Horse team to win it all. I like it even more now. Uh, they're still an the Dark Horse. Um, they, they, they're, they're not... Uh, I mean, they're, I mean they're by, by play,
1: play they're, they're an average team.
0: Yeah, yeah, but like I say, there, there, there's an opportunity to be to be had here, and and are reason for that. So I, I applaud them for that. But moving on to the teams we thought we were going to talk about today, and that is some of these favorite teams: the Philadelphia Eagles, the Buffalo Bills, the top teams in each conference. And after a pair of dominant wins on Sunday, or at least what felt like dominant wins. Uh, The Eagles have actually gained ground on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Aaron, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on here with the DVOA? Gained a
1: lot of ground, yeah. So um, the Eagles had the second-best individual game of the year so far. The only game that comes out with a better rating is Kansas City's win over San Francisco uh, two weeks ago. Uh, But this now comes out as a better win for the Eagles than the Jacksonville shutout of Indianapolis back in Week 2, which was our number one game for a while. Uh, And meanwhile, in the Buffalo-Green Bay game, Green Bay ended up with a much higher DVOA than the Bills did, which is, I know, a shock. It was the Bills' worst offensive game of the season and their second-worst defensive game of the season because the Packers just kept running consistent runs on them, and then Josh Allen threw two picks. The problem is Josh Allen threw two picks in the fourth quarter with a big lead, so now we get into the argument we always have about DVOA, which is, does it do enough to lower the importance of the plays when one team has a big lead over the other team in the fourth quarter? It's always
0: hard to answer because there's no uh, strict definition of what is garbage time. But, you know, I was watching that game and the the Bills, let's see, the biggest lead they had was 24-7. And that was at halftime, actually. Um, And the Packers started chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. And what should have been a really easy win for Buffalo, they had to watch as Green Bay missed a field goal. Had that kick been good, the Packers would have had a chance for an onside kick. This game was not 100% for Buffalo. So, I mean, it it was garbage time, but it wasn't, you know, completely out of reach. And so I I think it's fair to say, look, they they turned uh, what should have been a really easy win into a, a, still an easy win, but but not as easy as it should have been. it's, It's significant.
2: Yeah, when you yeah. when you allow 200 yards rushing and lose the turnover battle, you don't win many of those football games. And I think it, it it's totally valid to say that yeah, the the Bills do that repeatedly over the course of the season. They're going to lose more of those games than they win. Part of the problem with the Packers is that they uh they didn't seem to have much urgency for much of the of the second half of that game. If they had been going faster, because in the fourth quarter, once you know they had started getting some deep shots to make sense of the run game, like things started happening. If they had started doing that, like 15 minutes into the game, we might be talking about, you know, oh, wow, the Bills had got, got upset in this huge game. Instead, it's, oh, the Bills might have gotten upset if that game had gone on for two or three more quarters.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's interesting because, so the, the Bills are now uh, minus 42% DVOA when they're up in the fourth quarter by more than eight points. Right, The league average is minus 1.3%, so basically close to zero, which is what it's supposed to be. And the Chiefs, who are known as, for taking their foot off the gas, actually have a positive 13% DVOA with a big lead in the fourth quarter. So it's not like every team, or even teams that are known for taking their foot off the gas, um, is bad with a big lead in the fourth quarter. So here is the thing that I'm writing about for the DVOA commentary today. What if we took out all plays with a two-possession lead in the fourth quarter and didn't count them at all? So the Bills would be better, but so would the Eagles. (laughs) So the gap between the Bills and the Eagles is actually smaller if you take out all those plays. Both teams would look better if you took out plays in the fourth quarter with a lead of more than one possession, because the bill's defense is fine. The bill's defense is not worse when they have a late lead. They're fine when they have a late lead while the Eagles defense is worse with a late lead and their offense is worse with a late lead. So uh, the other thing is, can you guess which offense in the league was the best in 2021? with a fourth-quarter lead of more than eight points. Is it going to be the Bills? Are we
2: doing that narrative story here? We're talking
1: about the Buffalo Bills. So, of course, the answer is yes, the Buffalo Bills. If we took out those plays, last year's Bills would not have rated as highly. And by the way, also last year's Chiefs would not have rated as highly. And last year's Cincinnati Bengals would not have rated as highly. And I don't think... What we want to do is do something that makes last
2: year's Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills look worse. Plus, well, you, you can make an argument that, oh, you know, when you're up two scores, maybe your, your goal as a team is not to have the most efficient plays, but, to, like, use clock and stuff like that. Well, nowhere in the strategy is, oh, we've got to throw some interceptions. And that's going to be right. <laughs> yes. There's definitely an argument that I do not do enough in DVOA
1: to account for the value of using clock. But right. the Bills... Didn't use clock. The Packers were running the ball and using <laughs> clock. And the Bills were taking chances and throwing interceptions up 17 points. It was strange.
0: It's a very, very weird game. It hadn't actually occurred to me until uh, Mike Tenere wrote about it. And uh either walked through a DVA, DVOA preview. He's like, well, yes, the, the trailing team is rallying with a powerful run game. And the team with the big lead is throwing really dumb interceptions too. Something yeah. occurred forever.
1: Including and one for- on the three. Yeah,
0: when you're ahead, field goals are very good.
2: I, for one, enjoyed Josh Allen's uh, Halloween costume of rookie Josh Allen. I think that that was a very nice throwback for for, for, uh, a seasonally appropriate weekend. There's still
0: once a year when rookie Josh Allen shows up. Last year was the loss against Jacksonville. Uh, This year may have just been the fourth quarter of this game, and unfortunately it came then. But, yeah,
1: once in a while you cover your eyes and say, what are you doing, Josh? I know that we are kind of alone out there in having the Bills and Eagles very close together. But I feel kind of good about it. Like, I do feel like the Bills are the best team in the league. It's not that I think the Bills are overrated. They're a little overrated because people are acting like they're a historically great team when in reality what they are is this is how good the best team usually is. Right. Usually the best team is this good. And guess what? This year, the best team is also this good. I think the Eagles are closer to the Bills than we're giving them credit for.
0: And it is it strange bad. because usually when this happens, when we argue a team is is, is underrated, it's like a team that's has a really high DVOA, but they're like four and three. Yeah,
2: like the, yes.
0: DBA, the Eagles are like an an underrated undefeated team, which I don't yeah. recall seeing before.
2: Well, think let's talk about drag- these
0: Eagles. Yeah. Oh, I
2: think they're being dragged down a little bit by the perception of the NFC as being the significantly worse conference and all the struggles underneath. Like, oh, of course the Eagles are undefeated. They're playing the NFC. Yeah, they're crushing the NFC. <laughs> that helps. Yeah.
0: And they stopped an AFC team this week. So let's get into these Eagles a little bit here. We talked about the Bills some. Uh, let's talk about this Eagles win over Pittsburgh. Brian, do you have any notes on AJ Brown? The difference he's made for Philadelphia this year, and especially on Sunday.
2: This this Sunday was the was the was AJ Brown's biggest impact on the Eagles' offense so far. He caught three touchdowns on go routes in the first half. In the history of next gen stats charting, he's the first player ever to have three touchdowns on go routes in the same game, and he did it in thirty minutes. I mean, some. I mean, there's a lot to be said for scheme and design. There's also a lot to be said that you are really good, run really fast that way, and we're gonna chuck the ball in your direction. Uh, Jalen Hurts threw four touchdowns of twenty five yards or more on sunday uh the record in one game is five by dan marino in 1994 so that's that you know that's pretty good company he's keeping there and this is really interesting because you would expect with aj brown to be more deep shots but that's been the opposite of the case for the eagles this year hertz's uh average depth of target has has dropped from uh nine uh, over nine yards in 2020 and 2021 down to just 7.3 this season uh, the Eagles uh, were 28th in the number of targets, uh, uh, deep targets leading in. And this week they said, oh, you know what? We've, we just traded for this expensive receiver. What if we just sent him downfield a lot? And it worked out. And I hope, I hope to see more of that in, in weeks to come.
1: So I, I ran a bunch of numbers because of Philadelphia playing Houston this week, which is, first of all, it's great because the Philadelphia and Houston are going to play in the World Series and in the NFL on the same day because of a rain oh, wow. <laughs> um, and so the NFL stats put up a stat that this has apparently happened seven different times. Although seems like to a- say seven different times, you have to suggest you have to say things like the 49ers and the Oakland A's were in the same, are in the same region, yeah. so, which worked which, which work everywhere except for San Francisco and Oakland. <laughs> right. San Francisco <laughs> and Oakland would argue with you about that. But <laughs> um, you know, most of those games I think were Sundays. Yeah. Not Thursdays. So I, I wanted to know, because Houston is 32nd, right? So, like, is this the biggest mismatch in DVOA history? And the answer is, this is not even close to the biggest mismatch in DVOA history. The biggest mismatch in DVOA history was, like, in 1993 between San Francisco and Tampa Bay, when Tampa Bay was last at, like, minus 60% or something. Uh, And games between a top three team and a bottom three team happen roughly four times a year or so. In fact, there were four of them last year. Um, Arizona against Houston, where Arizona was favored by 18 points in week seven and uh, won 31 to five. So they covered 18 points. And then a Rams Houston game the next week where the Rams were favored by 16 and won by 16 when the Texans scored 22 points all in the fourth quarter. That is a backdoor cover to be remembered. And then Week 13 Tampa Bay Atlanta and Week 17 Buffalo Atlanta, which was the only one of these games where the underdog actually covered because Buffalo was favored by 14 and a half and only won by 14. Uh, Bill Houston, by the way, wants to know about the Seahawks. We're going to actually get to the Seahawks with our next segment. But before that, I wanted to bring up a graphic because it's actually time to start talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and an undefeated season. Their odds of going undefeated past 5% this week, 1 in 20. Their schedule is so easy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's not entirely easy. Like Tennessee might be an interesting matchup, and Green Bay uh, might be an interesting matchup, and they have to play the Giants twice. And at Dallas is by oh, far, yeah. by far their hardest remaining game is at Dallas on Christmas. But I've made a graphic of Philadelphia's odds of going undefeated through each week of the season, based on our playoff odds report simulation. So like it's 77% that they'll go 8-0, 65% that they'll go 9-0, and so on and so forth. And you can see from the fact that their odds drop by more than half when they play Dallas on Christmas that that's their hardest game. That's the one game where they wouldn't be favored right now. And then uh, it ends at 5.6%, although actually I wrote this up yesterday. Today's simulation has it at 5.8% that the Eagles go undefeated. But because their schedule is so easy, like it's actually time to start
2: thinking about this as a possibility of a thing that might happen. A long shot still to be sure, but I mean, they're, they're yeah. in a fantastic position. Yeah. Seriani has done a fantastic job with them this year. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has made a pretty significant jump here between year two and year three. Yeah. It, I don't think Hurts is a serious MVP candidate in part
1: because I think that the narrative that people will vote on Is much more uh, Hertz helped by coaching and the addition of AJ Brown, whereas I think Allen and Mahomes are seen as doing it much more on their own. But Hertz is playing very, very well
2: at the moment, or at least as of uh, yesterday. uh, Hertz was actually leading the uh, betting odds for Offensive Player of the Year, which would be like, well, we got to give Allen the MVP, but we got to we got to award Hertz with something. So something else. I I still don't see it. I feel like
1: people have gotten to the point where offensive player of the year is the non quarterback award.
2: And, and I agree with that in general, but I'm just saying that people, are, that, you know, at least the betting public w- wants to give Hurt something, but they feel like they yeah. can't give him MVP because the other guys are better. Yeah.
0: Before we move on, I just want to talk about uh, Brian's note there about uh, 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 A.J. Brown catching all those go route touchdowns. I didn't have this game on on Sunday. I just was watching other things. I figured the Eagles were going to blow up Pittsburgh. I, it was not high on my list, and I was right about that. But so the highlights keep coming up. And uh, the shrink highlights of Eagles touchdowns, and I kept thinking, oh, I've seen this one already. Wait, no, that's new. <laughs> that's not the exact same play. It just looks exactly the same. So that was a, that was a strange experience. But, uh, yeah, they're doing very well. So I think now we'll move on to the Seattle and, Seahawks and the uh, 49ers and the NFC West. And... Uh, Aaron, you mentioned this question. It's from Bill Houston. What's going on with the Seahawks FO? Oh, us football outsiders. Do the 49ers catch them? Has Carroll proved to Vince he can build a team? Uh, it's funny. After the game, Pete Carroll did a little, r- a little ranting after the Giants win. And uh, noting, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. but He said, everyone who thinks the, the game has passed me by or I, or I run too much or, uh, or anything like that, that's a load of crap, he said. And uh I know I was not the only one to say things along those lines, but I felt like he was directing me personally, you may as well call me out by name. So uh he does
1: know us. I mean <laughs> he knows our stuff. He's talked about DVOA in the past. Yes. I mean, so, we're gonna have to give him a mea Culpa. We were wrong about a lot of things, uh, yeah. but at the same but at
0: the same time, he has also changed a lot of things. That's they're also passing, true. They're passing more early and downs than they ever have before. Um one of the things we said was one of the things we said was he seems to be building a team around the run when passing is what wins. Well, his team is really, really good at passing, and they're really, really good lately at defending the pass. So, um,
1: <laughs> right, he's ahead. moved, he's kind of moved towards us. I think he's even it's being a little bit more aggressive on fourth downs, a little bit.
0: I mean, I, I, I know I've said this lots of places, but he, he's he, he had a touchdown this week where he went forward on fourth and short twice in the same drive. And um, he's, it, it's usually at midfield where he's conservative. He loves punting. Um, and I, I think in the, in, the, uh, in the red zone, he's willing to go for it because if he doesn't get it, it pins the opponent deep, and that's what he loves to do anyway. <laughs>
1: so the, the mea culpa, I think, the biggest mea culpa is, if he truly identified that Geno Smith could be this good, and I don't know whether he did. It's possible he stumbled into this, just like we all have. But if he did truly identify that Geno Smith could be this good, and it was part of the thought process behind trading Russell Wilson yep. and Geno Smith, it was never going to be Drew Locke. It was going to be Geno Smith. The whole, if that is the case,
2: huge yeah. Mia culpa. That is incredible yep. talent identification. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I assume that he, that he thought that Geno Smith would be at least an average starter. I, I would be stunned if he thought he was going to be the top 10, top five, top, Whatever you want to give yeah. that has but, actually been through half the season.
0: There's no, there's barely any precedent for anything like this. I was thinking about writing about Geno Smith and Quick Reads and realized I already did earlier this year, but I was looking for uh, how late it took for any specific quarterback to have a positive DR season. This is going to be Geno Smith's first year above zero DR, ever. And it's, it's year 10, I think. And uh, the only guy I could find who took longer was Doug Flutie who spent a decade in Canada winning championship right. after championship there. So as far as a, a, a backup, playing like a backup and deserving to be a backup for so long and then suddenly becoming, not even good, above becoming mediocre, it hasn't happened. There's no record for it in the past 40 years.
1: The only similar guy I can think of might be Rich Gannon. Except Rich Gannon was not a first-round pick. But was Smith was a first round pick or he was an early second? Early early second
0: round. It was early
1: second round. But Gannon was like a fifth or a sixth round pick who had played numerous positions and people talked about changing his position in the NFL. And then he went from team to team until he went to Kansas City and finally kind of it snapped into place for him. And then he went to Oakland after that. And then he was an MVP candidate. What an MVP actually was an MVP, I think, in 2002. The only other thing I can think about is guys from before football outsider stats exist. Yeah.
2: Like some, people some people suggested Steve Young uh, because he was bad at Tampa Bay for a year or two and then had to sit you know, for a while. Yeah. I don't, yeah that but doesn't Steve really work. Steve
1: Young was sort of a really hard comparison because um, he, he was in the USFL well. first and he had played really well in the USFL, so we knew he could play well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this, um, this is exciting for Gino. If people
0: would bring up Gannon. It's it's interesting. He was bad for most of his early years. He was in nineteen ninety one with Minnesota, uh, 400, 488 DYAR. He was thirteenth there, eleventh in DVOA. So he would had a good year before. And then, uh, as you noted, a couple of decent years in in Kansas City, and then uh, MVP with with Oakland in uh, early two thousands, whichever year that was. So that was, I mean. It, it's hard to find comps for Geno Smith, so the, Gannon's probably as Testaverde close as can. an
1: interesting one. Testaverde is an interesting one because he was horrible at first, and then by the time he got to, like, Baltimore in 96, he was great. Yeah. But the difference there, I, I, I don't know if
0: Testaverde had any good years early, but
1: Gannon had shown
0: flashes of competency, and, 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 and the growth was more gradual. Smith was never any good, disappeared. A lot of people probably forgot he was in the league. And it's come out this year, and it's played at a level. And it, it's it's very very hard, especially a quarterback, to find a company thing like that. The other thing we're talking about here, and we're talking a lot about Geno Smith for obvious reasons, and we talk a lot about Pete Carroll uh, because he's so charismatic and such a, a, a figurehead, and, and 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 you know, it, it's his team when you think about the Seahawks. But the guy who I think there's there's a ton of credit. And he works closely with Carroll, but it's John Schneider yeah. who has had after not a lot of good off seasons lately everything he touched this year turned to gold uh the russell wilson trade was appears to have been selling high at the exact right time um got a ton out of it even though uh you know drew drew locks not playing but no no offense one of their trio of tight ends and shelby harris is making plays and then he took all the he took all those draft picks and he appears to have found five good starters in the same draft, which doesn't happen very often at all. you got to go back to like that New Orleans draft with Marshawn Lattimore and, uh, and all them. So, um, you know, the Seahawks have two good rookie corners starting. They have two good offensive tackles starting that are rookies. And, of course, uh, Kenneth Walker, your current Rookie of the Year uh, favorite. Um, so the, the draft was a home run. The trade was a home run. It's hard to find any move that Seattle made over this past offseason that could have gone any better. And so uh, just keep Josh Schneider in mind when it's time to uh, do the awards voting for best executive of the year.
2: Absolutely. And then it's nice that sales defense has gotten better and better over the last few weeks. Because over the first three weeks, sales defense was okay. You no, know, it was terrible.
1: It was yeah. terrible. It was 30th in the league through the first five weeks. And number one over the last three weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's been a turnaround as, uh, as rookies have
0: developed and guys have Gotten used to the position. And they've, you know, managed to change to a three, three, to a three, four front um after an entire decade of being a four-three team. So that probably has some growing pains with that too. Um yeah, but everything everything is going well. So we're coming off this week here, where the two biggest games in the week were 49ers and Rams, because uh I don't want to say it was loser out.
1: But no, but it was teams. the most important game for the playoff odds.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the Seahawks and Giants game, the only game of the week between two teams with winning records. And what's funny is, if you look at playoff odds now, I, I, I believe the uh, Seahawks and Giants is a, a likely first round playoff rematch. So uh, that they, they may meet again down the road. And uh, as Brian notes here, it's like the early 2010s the 49ers and Seahawks on top in the NFC West.
2: Yeah, it, it's pretty much a, our, our playoff odds pretty much have it as a dead heat. Bill Houston asked if the Niners are going to catch them. Uh, right now, our odds have Seattle at about a forty-seven percent chance to win the division, and the Niners at about a forty-two percent chance to win the division. Both of them are top, Both the Niners and the Seahawks are top ten in DVOA. They're top ten in weighted DVOA. They're top ten in Dave. They're they're very, very close to one another. Seattle is right is currently a little better in both DVOA and weighted DVOA. Uh, the Niners are still a little higher in Dave because we thought the Seahawks were going to be terrible. So it it's it's close to a dead heat at at this point in time. And then, then, as always, when the Niners were struggling a little bit after, like, uh, two weeks ago, getting blown out by the Chiefs, they got to do what the Niners always get to do when they need something to go right, and that's get to play the Los Angeles Rams. They have Yeah, it's really
1: amazing, by the way. It's really amazing that the Niners lost to the Rams in the playoffs last year.
2: Yeah. Because Because in the regular season, they own them. Eight straight regular season wins against the Rams for, for the 49ers. Uh, this is despite being underdogs in six of those eight games. Uh, and they've covered the spread in seven of the eight games. 21% of Kyle Shanahan's career wins have come against the Los Angeles Rams. If he was just average against them, I don't think he has a head coaching job anymore. But he, but he just crushes the Rams year after year after year. It's,
0: yeah. it, it, it's There's a lot going on right in San Francisco right now, too. Uh, everyone's don't, Everyone, I think, now knows about Christian McCaffrey and the triple crown he had with the rushing, passing, receiving touchdown in the same game.
2: Uh, I, I love this stat. Um, Christian McCaffrey completed his first uh, – you know, Christian McCaffrey, it's the first deep throw touchdown the Niners have had this year, the first one of over 15 yards. That's fantastic. Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo completed his first pass as a 49er of 30-plus air yards outside the numbers against the Rams. This was his 52nd game with the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey also completed his first pass as a 49er, 30 more yards downfield outside the numbers. It's his second game with the 49ers, and he's a running back. We all said, oh, this is so much to give for Christian McCaffrey. Is it that much to give for your new QB1? Yes.
0: Franchise quarterback run single wing.
2: I, 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 swear, I swear, I'm looking forward to next season, If you put... You know, Chris McCaffrey and Trey Lance and Debo Samuel and Kyle Juszczyk in the same backfield and just, like, challenge defenses to guess who's going to get the ball. Because any of them can do anything at any given time. It'll be like the A-11. Yes. It'll be <laughs> the A formation from the 1940s. There's all kinds of old single wing and no-dream box formations. Get out there. Be creative.
0: And as think- the quick... As the quick reads writer who has to categorize all this stuff and adjust things like when receivers catch passes or, or, or receivers throw passes or quarterbacks catch, then it's gonna be a pain in my
2: ass. I don't think Kyle Shannon wants to coach. He just wants to draw up plays. And that you know, that that's that he, that's why that's why you'd give up so much for Christian McCaffrey. He just it's a new toy for him to use. He told the story about like how he was calling on Thursday asking people around, does anyone know if Christian McCaffrey can throw? And they had to dig up like old old Carolina footage of him doing like a 50-yard pass in 2018. I've got a break breaking news, guys.
1: Oh, and this one is weird. Oh, okay. Chase Claypool to the Bears. Hmm. Pardon? Didn't me? the Bears just trade some guy away? Because <laughs> yeah, they I guess have... the idea is we all said over and over again that the Bears need better receivers. Okay. Yeah. To figure out whether Fields is any good. So they went out and got one. No word yet on what the compensation is.
0: But they just waited until November to do it.
1: They, yeah, they, they needed a wide re- They needed a good wide receiver so they could
2: figure out if Justin Fields is the man or not. And they went out and got one. And, and they have generated a lot of uh, value in, in, in draft picks and cap space. And I guess they're starting it now, they're using it now, rather than waiting for the off I think
1: Claypool has two more years this year and yeah. next. He's only twenty four. Yeah, well, it, it depends on what they paid for, but on on paper, this
0: this makes sense to me. If you think that Justin Fields has played better in recent weeks, and he has, um, and you like you say, he they desperately needed good a good young wide receiver. I don't think people's necessarily a long term. WR1 or anything, but he's better than most of what the Bears have, and, uh, and like you say, he's, he's young, he can grow with the quarterback, and we'll, we'll see when the details come in, but I, I get this, I get this.
2: Claypool has one year left on his deal, but the Bears have $121 million in cap space for next year, so uh, th- 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 that won't be a problem. If, if they, they believe in time. him, they can sign him long-term. Yes. Yeah. They believe know. in anyone they can sign him long-term, they have all the money.
0: I I don't worry too much about uh, how are we going to pay this good young player. I'm more concerned about getting the good young player and then finding money
2: for him. The Bears are trading a second round pick per Adam Schefter for for Chase Claypool. Hmm. A second round pick? That's what I'm told.
1: That is that's That's more than I would have guessed. That's higher than Claypool's actual draft position. It, it will be if the Bears keep that low. Yeah. Uh, I, Claypool well, was a third. Was a, he was a third rounder?
0: Just had it open. You're probably right. But Sleepy Time
1: Johnson wants to know if Claypool is a better wide receiver than Daryl Mooney. I honestly do not know the answer to that question.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm. I will let uh, we get Derek It is, fast it is hard him. to
1: determine, uh, given the quarterbacks that each one has. It's kind exactly. of hard to determine how good each of them really is, but especially because that Steelers offense is so much short stuff. And Claypool's really – when is he as a rookie, was good at, like, deep 50-50 balls, and now there are no deep 50-50 balls.
0: Yeah. Chase 40 uh, 49th overall, second round in 2020.
1: He was a so second-round pick.
0: Okay. Yeah. Four, late, late second, 49th. That's probably not going to be far off from this pick. Um, the the Steelers getting back from the Bears maybe a
1: little a little bit earlier. It that, says here's two, it might be Baltimore's second round pick. The exactly, they just got
2: that two days ago won. for a pitch. Yeah, yeah that That's okay. that
1: will probably run right around forty nine. I don't
2: right. know if I do that if I'm them. Well, I'm certainly more comfortable doing it if it's. If I it's guess a their feeling is they'd, they'd rather play. have
1: two years of Claypool than four years of a rookie that that you don't know if they'll be as good as Claypool who you
2: take with that pick. Yeah I haven't yeah, done any. The kind word of is that this year's wide receiver class is not as good as the last couple of years. Yeah that okay. is just, I haven't done any research there but I assume they have because they're a professional uh, fan office. Uh, so yeah if you if you're really down on like the mid round wide receiver bit picks it, I can understand that the t- the weirdest part of this is the timing. I I I, I just do like the Bears trying something because the, the, this offseason they didn't try anything at the wide receiver position. So I do I do appreciate them making a move to do a thing. The, the timing just is very weird. Well, this is when the player was available. Wide receiver,
1: second round, wide receivers that you get for a second rounder were not available in the offseason, except for Amari Cooper, <laughs> <laughs> who cost I'm, a fifth.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's yeah, the, the Cowboys screwed up bad, but uh um, I'm... Now I'm starting to think about this from the Pittsburgh point of view. And for everything we said about how the Bears want to see what Justin Fields has and he needs a good young receiver, you could say all that same thing about Kenny Pickett.
1: No, because they've got Deontay Johnson and they've got George okay. Pickens. All right. Yeah, wide receiver is not the problem in Pittsburgh. They they the problem is 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 Pickett any good?
0: Well, and and Matt Canada is he Yeah, picked? and Matt Canada. Yeah. And then they they did not trade him yet, have they?
1: No, no. Uh, if they can play,
0: trade my Canada for a second rounder, I would do that right away.
1: Um, Mark Moon wants to know if the Jaguars are terrible or just bad and unlucky. They are bad and unlucky. The Jaguars have a positive point differential right now at yeah. two and six. There's, like that is an unlucky team.
0: And it definitely, that's definitely true. But that, that there's times. It's a cliche, and it's overused, but I think there is something to the idea of a team learning how to win. Yeah. Oops. Because I wasn't watching the uh, Denver-Jacksonville game because it was started at 6.30 in Seattle. But I watched – everyone was playing the, the the interception Lawrence threw at the end of the game. He was desperate, and uh, uh, the DB undercut the route. That, that was not really a terrible interception. It was not good, obviously. But then when I saw his red zone interception where he just threw the ball right to another, I thought, oh, that's no good at all. And uh, obviously has three points they could have used in a very close game.
1: Here's the interesting thing. Normally there is no real consistency to players and teams being better in the red zone than they are overall. But this year I will say the Jaguars are pretty good on the rest of the field. Lawrence. Lawrence specifically is horrible in the red zone. Horrible. His numbers in the red zone are horrible. So like seeing what he's like in the red zone in the second half of the season is an interesting lesson in whether there are players who are consistently worse in the red zone because theoretically he should be fine in the red zone going forward because numbers show that in in the past that there's really no consistency there.
0: I'm looking at their future schedule. I guess right in the middle of the pack. What are they? And yeah, a little, little more difficult than average. A 12th overall on future schedule. So um I should probably open that up. There's really no discussion about whether they've been unlucky or not. But um, yeah, it looks like we're still a year away, at least, from uh yeah. the great Jacksonville resurgence. And I also think that you know his, his rookie year was so wasted, he's practically still a rookie right now. Um so a lot of, the, a lot of these groin pains are the things you see from rookie quarterbacks all the time. Um, I'm not as confident in Trevor Lawrence rebounding as I was before the season,
1: yeah.
0: but I'm not throwing in the towel either.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've seen Jalen Hurts. We were talking about him earlier. He took that big leap between years two and year three. That's still well on the table. I don't like people writing off quarterbacks before they at least have uh, two, uh, two full years under their belt. Once we start yeah. seeing that third... My my always little thumb for evaluating, especially high draft bookie quarterbacks, is in year one, just focus on the positives, see what they do well. Year two, look to see some kind of improvement, and I think we have seen improvement in general from Lawrence this season. And then in year three, they are kind of who they are. Because after year three, this, you don't you don't really... See those huge jumps anymore, unless you're Geno Smith. Unless you're Geno Smith, Gino. yeah. Well, I, I, it, it'd be quite a fall from Trevor Lawrence being compared to Andrew Luck to being compared to a Geno Smith. But you know, you, you, you take the comparisons you can get.
0: So, just uh, before we move on here, this for the 49ers uh, uh, Seahawks discussion about who who you like better. I mean, both teams are playing very well right now. There's a reason it's neck and neck, but. We're talking about Geno Smith's great year. He's currently fifth in DVOA and sixth in DR. And in his entire, I, I, I can't believe I'm about to say these words, but in, in his entire CS career, Russell Wilson was only top six in both stats one time in, in that 2015 year. Um, so, so bizarre. But uh, it's worth noting that one of the quarterbacks above Geno Smith in DVOA and DYAR is Jimmy Garoppolo. So, no.
2: Yeah, we talked about how, like, with all the go routes in Philadelphia, like, sometimes uh, you don't need scheme, you don't need talent. Jimmy Grappolo gets help on the scheme just a little tiny bit. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But it works.
1: You know, I, everything we know about what past performance teaches us says to favor the 49ers. It's just, there's just this kind of itching, like, that Geno Smith his improvement is, is probably can't stay this good. Like, like even if, even if it drops a little bit, like that would be enough for the, for the 49ers to, to move ahead of them. But uh, the Seahawks are way better than anybody gave them credit for. And so that's beautiful.
2: Yeah. It's also worth noting that if it does end up a tie, the Niners did beat Seattle head to head, and they are currently three and and0 in the division. So if this if yeah. the Niners yeah. end up at the same record at the moment, it looks. I mean, it's not clinched yet because they do play. They do play again, uh, but it does look like the Niners will likely have the tiebreaker. Uh, right, because even if the they tie-to. play again, even if Seattle wins, the
1: next tiebreaker will be division record, and San Francisco's three and and0 in the division. Yeah, it's it,
2: it's a it's a big game this week for the Seahawks. You know, division game against the Cardinals. This is they got to start. If the Niners are going to own the Rams, the, the Seahawks have to own somebody in order to stay uh, in in that uh, divisional race. And you hmm. know, a new new Call of Duty came out, so let's this see might how bad. good Woolen is. If woolen is that good, let's see him shut down DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, yep.
1: you're not wrong. You're not wrong. All right, and back in the AFC,
0: then uh, one another team that. I think a lot of us had written off, at least as far as playoff favorites, the Tennessee Titans, and a player a lot of us had written off is Derrick
2: Henry, who appears to be invulnerable. Yeah. Derrick Henry has, uh, against, against the uh, Texans, who ran for 200 yards and two touchdowns, as he always seems to do against the Texans. So he has the most recent 200-yard game, of uh, running game in the NFL. And he has two of the last three 200-yard games. And he has three of the last five 200-yard games. And he has four of the last seven. And five of the last nine. And six of the last 11. He's just alternating 200-yard games with the rest of the league. <laughs> That's,
0: yeah. And uh, like like you here, I, I like this one. Most games in NFL history with 200 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns, Derrick Henry has six. Derrick Henry, only against the Houston Texans, has four. And then uh, it's Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, and Ladainian Tomlinson with three apiece. That is fantastic.
2: Yes, we talked about the owning owning the Rams. Derrick Henry owns the Texans, and I I get the Texans are really bad, which is why Henry's DVOA and DYIR was not super great this week. But you know he may have been doing the yards. What are you going to do? Yeah. I don't care how bad your defense is. You don't let that up uh, let, let let those kind of numbers go very easily. Oh god,
1: the defensive adjustment for Henry this week is crazy. Yeah. We yeah, went from the, like the, 75 to 15 DYARs just on opponent adjustment. The
0: the the Houston Texans, as of right now, have the new worst DVO, worst run defense DVOA we have ever measured. Uh Washington and like I think 96 uh, had an yeah. 18.7%, and Houston's coming at 19-point-something. So, hey, a historic season for the Houston Texans, as they can't tackle anybody, and especially not Derrick Henry.
1: This has been every year. Every year, Houston ranks among the worst run defenses ever.
2: And, uh, you know, they, they, they tried. They tried to stop Henry. They loaded the box again and again and again, because, you know, Titans had Malik Willis in there. They knew the Titans weren't going weren't to throw. The Titans knew the Titans weren't going to throw. They, they put everybody on the line. And uh, Derrick Henry still gained 118 yards on eighteen carries against stacked boxes. That's, the, that's per that's next gen stats, and it's the most by any player in any game since Derrick Henry in week nine of twenty twenty against the Houston Texans.
1: <laughs>
2: I don't know what you do to stop him. <laughs> yeah, so, you, uh, you
1: don't be the Houston Texans. That's the Texans um, trying that for years.
0: <laughs> I, I, as you know here, Brian. Uh Derrick Henry is now the Tennessee Titans slash Houston Oilers franchise leader in rushing touchdowns. It's kind of amazing how some teams just have identities throughout the years. And the the, the Oilers slash Titans going from Earl Campbell to Eddie George to Derrick Henry. They they always have a guy who will just run your ass over.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the only time they didn't was when they had a guy who would just
2: run past you, which was Chris Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, a sneaky contender for the for if you want to look at the best – Position units, like like the Titans-Oilers franchise, best running backs in NFL history? They, they're they kind of, they're, yeah, they're man, not someone who Cleveland, would jump to mind immediately, but... Cleveland, Cleveland is the yeah. other one that jumps to mind immediately because of Jim Brown and Leroy Moore yeah. and yeah. then Nick Chubb. Yeah, but the, the, there's a there's a sizable gap in there. The Titans seem to, the Titans and Oilers have seemed to have someone pretty consistently sit, as long as I've been watching football. The very the useful title points out that the Oilers,
1: even Gary Brown during the run and shoot days, was a tough runner.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Lorenzo White then too, and they were they were passing more than anybody else, but when when they ran, they could do it. Uh,
2: yeah, the t- Titans are just ni- just 19th in DVOA, so we 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 acknowledge they're a mediocre team, but they're well,
1: yeah. the AFC. But- but
0: they were a mediocre team last year and they still got the one seed. And yeah,
2: and lost.
0: And, well, they, 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 they did, but I mean, this they're not that talented compared to the rest of the league, but they keep winning football games. And that, in.
1: Yeah, that, every year they I do think this. Mike
0: Rabel is really, really good at coaching football. I think he
1: is. I think he is. And
0: yeah. I know that's hardly breaking news here, but uh, probably doesn't get enough credit for uh, what he's done here. All
1: um, right. Um, I've got one question here, another question from a reader. Bill Houston says, what trade needs to happen?
0: I That's don't think good. the Bills need a running back.
1: No, I, the one is made sense to me, even though I don't think running backs are as important as you know most people think, is Kareem Hunt to the Rams. Yeah.
0: I, I, I it, saw the Rams. Who they, I forget who they're in on.
2: Brian Burns uh, for a 2024 and 2025 first-round pick is what they offered – Ah, uh, the Panthers for Brian Burns because that's burns. all they have. They don't have any more draft picks to trade for anybody. Oh, they're offering they're offering draft picks three years into the future. And what well, I had said that oh, if Carolina gets two first-round picks or Burns, they should take it. That was assuming there were two first-round picks, like in the lifespan of the next head coach, or that's going to be. You, you could say oh, we're trading away your best pass rusher, but in three years, you get a first-round pick, and it's going to be fine. You know, the, the the Rams the Rams have maxed their line of credit. They don't have anyone.
0: They just keep pushing her forward. And, and I, I forget where I saw, but somebody pointed out the, the, the last first rounder, the last first round pick they used was Jared Goff. And they've decided to never draft a first round player ever again.
1: The other, the other thought might be Brandon cooks to the Ravens.
0: Yes. There's a that would be a shot point. Bateman. That would, that would be huge. Um, I keep writing about something like five or six times this year. Lamar Jackson has been the top passer on throws to tight ends because he has no receivers. You yeah. have to throw those tight ends, and there, and Mark Andrews is awesome, of course. But um, yes, that 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 is the most obvious trade that needs to happen. The Ravens need to trade for a wide receiver, be it Brandon Cooks or whoever else might be available, and, should, and uh, uh, that would should, make a lot of sense.
2: It should be noted that Brandon Cooks is not at practice today. Uh, that could be a Veteran Day. That could be a health thing, but also could be don't get the guy hurt as trade deadlines is happening. Yep. So uh, nothing. There's smoke there. There's no fire at this point. No one's reporting anything's in the works here, but he's not at practice today. So uh, uh, stay tuned, I guess, on that one. Someone said earlier in the comments
1: about Jeff Wilson being valuable to somebody. I think Jeff Wilson is the perfect example of why we say that running backs don't matter. I think Jeff Wilson is a guy who was an undrafted free agent who was probably made by the Shanahan scheme, and I wouldn't want to take a chance on him if I was another team.
2: Not, not, not for anything of significant value. I mean, not for anything of significant value. Someone wants to throw a six to seven round pick at, after him. I think that that makes total sense. Just, the problem is the team that wants him the most are the Rams, and the Niners are not going to trade Jack Wilson no. to the Rams.
0: All right, a few other uh, fun stuff from around the league last week. And the Falcons and Panthers had a very, very crazy game uh, with DJ Moore catching a, not, not quite a heel Mary because there was still 12 seconds left, and it was all alone in the end zone. It was a go route where he beat double coverage. Uh, but he gets the touchdown pass. It travels 67.6 yards in the air. Longest completion by air distance in the next-gen stats era since 2016. And then all hell breaks loose.
2: It, watching that game... I mean, this I never, this was for first place in the NFC South between the yeah. Falcons and Panthers. Watching the ending 20 minutes out of the game was nuts. Uh, PJ Walker, before this week, had was I believe was dead last in uh, uh, air yards per attempt. Like He doesn't have this kind of arm. Yeah. And, then he just decided, oh, I'm going to fill the longest touchdown pass in the past, you know, a half decade. Sure, he had a game.
0: He had a game a week or two ago where his average depth of target was negative. Yeah,
2: <laughs> so not only this week. I mean, even in the XFL, he was not. He was not that kind of. He He wasn't kind of you know the running and gunning kind of play. He, he obviously threw deeper because. The opponents weren't as good, but th- th- this is not, so- if you had the list, all the starting quarters from last week, it's, you told me someone was going to throw a 68 yard touchdown pass. Uh, Walker would have been, if maybe not last, would have been the bottom two or three there. And of course that was the game winning, uh, you know, a uh, touchdown, except. Except David, yeah.
0: he, 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 he got excited. Off. He took his helmet off, which per the letter of the NFL rule is a 15 yard penalty. That pushes the game-winning extra point attempt back to, uh, I think it was the equivalent of a 48-yard field goal. Yes. And Eddie Pinero the- misses that. We go to overtime. The Panthers intercept Marcus Mariota. They send Eddie Pinero out to win it. He misses again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, I, like- I will point out, by the way, that field goal he missed in overtime was from a shorter distance than the regular extra
2: point would be. Over the last 20 seasons, there have been two instances of a kicker in the same game missing a potential go ahead extra point in the last 30 seconds and a potential game winning field goal in overtime. And they both happened this year. The Panthers uh, on Sunday, and then Evan uh, McPherson in the Bengals ba- back in week one. And at least McPherson had the, had the excuse that his long snapper certainly had the backup long snapper. So the whole system was broken down. And he does not have that excuse.
1: Yeah.
2: You, you, I will say I want to bring up point. You said that by the letter of the law, Moore taking off his helmet was a 15-yard penalty. That's actually not 100 percent true because the, if we're going by the letter of the rule, taking your helmet off on the field is a 15-yard penalty. Moore had run out of the back of the end zone, was it basically in the stands at that point in time. That is technically, by the by the letter of the law, not a penalty anymore. So there is oh, an argument God. by some some extra refs and extra and. Uh, I can't remember which network's officiating uh, official. Well, one of them, I think it was CBS's. He said, that shouldn't have been a penalty. So that should not have been moved back to 15 yards. It was some ticky-tack yeah. garbage. It should not yeah. be a penalty anyway. Exactly. Like, oh, he just celebrated catching a game-winning touchdown? How dare he? We, we yeah. should
0: be talking about this amazing highlight reel play, this amazing athletic achievement. It's a sport. We want to watch athletes doing things. And uh, instead, we are unfortunately talking about uh an officiating mistake or uh, or uh, uh you want to One not to of we're not talking about what we should what we should be talking about and that's unfortunate
2: heaven forbid we celebrate doing a good thing
0: <laughs> yes don't you dare be happy don't have fun out there in this game we're playing uh the Do- mammy dolphins are also playing games and winning a lot of them and they are doing it through the air And uh, we've talked about the quarterback a lot, especially the health of their quarterback, but their wide receivers are dominant.
2: Yeah. Uh, Through eight games, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell have combined for 1,688 combined receiving yards. That's the most for any duo through eight games in NFL history. And this is with the down to third string quarterbacks at point in times because of concussions. This is with, you know, this is with a random selection of passers. And Hill and Waddle just keep producing at rates we have n- we have never seen before. Hill's had a very weird season. He's had 160-plus receiving yards in each even-numbered week. And in each odd-numbered week, he's had fewer than 100 receiving yards. So at, at least he's consistent. He's the Brett Saberhagen of receivers. <laughs> there you go. Uh,
0: I like that one. That's a good one. Yeah, they are currently second and third in DYAR. Uh is that I here. Uh Waddle's second in DVOA, hills a little lower at 13th. But uh yeah, at some point I think there's a quick reads column there about great wide receiver duos. It's uh I think it's been done before. There's been two or three teams, like the, the Randy Moss Vikings, I think, were first and second in DYAR, but uh it's not common. It's definitely not common. Um Trevor Lawrence, we have already discussed today, but uh you know, we gotta talk about whether it's terrible or unlucky. Either way, we can say so far it has
2: not worked out. Yeah, so far Lawrence he's now started 25 games. He's five and twenty. And I know wins and losses are not a quarterback stat, but you know, they they get credit to them because they are the most visible player. And five and twenty is the worst record for a number one picked quarterback since the common draft began in 1967. So we are talking about only a handful of guys, but all those handful of guys. Even even uh, you know, the, the all-time busts like um Jamarcus, oh, Jamarcus Russell, the uh, even the all-time busts have done better than Lawrence to this point in time.
0: Did Jamarcus Russell
2: start 25 games? That's actually a very good question. I think the answer to that is no. I think, I think that's actually why he didn't no, pop but, up in that search.
0: Just yeah. And then so, yeah. before we go, a little note here on the Cleveland Browns, who it turns out are not dead.
2: Jamarcus Russell, quickly, uh, started exactly 25 games. He went 7-18. and 18. Okay, he was better. All right, there you go.
1: And yeah, Browns with five straight wins against the Bengals, which is their first five-game winning streak against
2: any opponent since they rejoined the league in 1999. I thought the Browns might be the Bengals. I had, I had them picked as, as a minor upset this week. I did not expect the Browns to no, blow to out the Bengals. whip ass. That yeah. was incredible. <laughs> they, you know, like, after, after, you know, the last two weeks, we we're like, oh, well, you know, the, 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 the narrative that the Bengals were washed may been a bit premature. And now the narrative that the narrative of the Bengals might have been watched was too premature was too premature because the Bengals looked terrible.
0: Oh, I, I, I know they were
2: missing tomorrow, uh, uh, they were missing Chase, but yes. that shouldn't it shouldn't make that big of a difference. One player should not make you look that bad.
0: I was watching the Manning cast, and Peyton Manning was so hideously bored of that game, begging teams <laughs> to run, <laughs> begging Eli at the end to shut up so they could say goodbye exasperated, board, Peyton Manning may be my new favorite Peyton Man. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you everyone for joining the chat and asking your questions. I do want to one more time say thank you to our friends at Underdog Fantasy because you can play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Are your season-long fantasy teams floundering? Play Underdog's Battle Royale, a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win the traditional daily fantasy sports sites. You can even win $50,000 if you grab first place. Or try their Pick'em Games, where you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around. Join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store. And use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. So thank you again to Underdog Fantasy. Thank you, all the listeners. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Brian. That was fun. Let's do it all again next week.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good.